Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world, uh, across the world on the internet at MichaelDukeshow.com. And around the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or uh, FM translator, it is The Michael Duke Show. Good morning. How you guys doing? You ready to... Uh, no, i got to turn that off. There we go. Uh, you guys ready to uh, dive into to t- into today? Into today? Um, you we're less than two weeks away um, from Election Day, and we are packed and stacked. In fact, I think it's official... I think I have, mm, I think I have one final slot open uh, that I've I've shoehorned in next Tuesday. Uh, I think that's it. We're pretty much full between now and election day um, uh, for uh, for every candidate. And no, I, I lied. I got one more slot, so I've got two slots left uh, for now until election day for. Uh, uh, all the candidate interviews. It's uh, we're not doing any election interviews on uh, on election day itself. So the final day for uh, interviews will be on Monday the seventh, and uh, it's going to be <clears throat> jam packed between now and then. There is a lot of stuff going on, and we're going to continue that tradition this morning. Uh, here in hour one, we're going to be talking with Delana Johnson, candidate for House District twenty five. Uh, in uh, in the Palmer uh, area, out in the Matsu. And then at 7.05, we're going to be talking with Benjamin Vincent, who is running in a head-to-head with uh, Louise Stutz down there in the Kodiak area. And uh, I actually already see Ben is in the green room already, hanging out with us. So uh, we may bring him on during one of the commercial breaks just to say hi, make sure he's all good. But uh, <clears throat> that's the lineup for today. And we're going to have a lot of things. We're going to have a lot of things to talk about, both with the incumbent legislator and with the new perspective legislator here this morning. Um, but that's coming up in a little bit, like 10, 12 minutes. So we've got some time to burn here. And boy, howdy, do we have some bombshell news. Came out late yesterday. And. Um, it is uh, came out late yesterday, and somebody just said that uh, we're off the air here, like that. Uh, came out late yesterday, <clears throat> but uh, we have got a tremendous uh, piece of uh, news here, bombshell. Edie Grunwald, who was running with uh, Charlie Pierce as lieutenant governor candidate for uh, for the combined ticket. Now, remember with the uh, remember with the. Uh, uh, rank choice voting that go- uh, governors and lieutenant governors had to be on a paired ticket. So uh, Edie Grunwald running with Charlie Pierce uh, on that ticket. Uh, yesterday, she announced that she would be um, dropping out of the race. 
Um, and this is all due to the fact that that uh, October surprise was dropped for Charlie, the lawsuit from the former employee at the borough. Um, and uh, it's uh, it's the harassment lawsuit that has come out. And uh, I'll go ahead and read. <clears throat> There's a lot of speculation here. And um, again, I am not privy to um, I'm not privy to anything more than you are. Um, I can only go off what my um, impression has been uh, of, uh, you know, meeting and working and talking to Charlie over the last couple of years and meeting and talking and and uh, uh, chatting with Edie as well. So I'm just going to I'm just going to uh, <clears throat> read Edie's um, post that she put up on Facebook, uh, on her page on Facebook for the campaign. And uh, here's what it said. Hello, Alaska. I'm Edie Grunwald, candidate for lieutenant governor. I would like to take this opportunity to thank all Alaskans who have supported my campaign to become Alaska's next lieutenant governor. I support and advocate for the respectful treatment of women in politics, the workplace, and the world in general. I believe my stepping down at this time is in the best interest of Alaskans and a demonstration of my support for all women, regardless of political affiliation. There are recent circumstances surrounding my gubernatorial running mate, Charlie Pierce, which have led me to make the decision to withdraw from the Pierce Grunewald for Governor campaign team. In closing, I ask my friends and fellow Alaskans to give their support to the Dunleavy Dahlstrom team and join me in voting for them on November 8th. With sincere appreciation for your support and understanding, Edie Grunewald. Now, <clears throat> um, Edie obviously has worked a lot you know, more closely with Charlie than I have, or, you know, probably many of you have. Um, I don't know what this says. I, I really don't. She was quoted in the ADN uh, as saying uh, that Grunewald said her stepping aside does not mean that she's calling for Pierce to withdraw. She said, absolutely not. That is his decision. He believes and pushes for liberty and has many accomplishments. This is all very unfortunate. My withdrawal is in no way a reflection of guilt or innocence. It was a difficult decision because people may think it is. And I think I think that's exactly right. I think that's that's the appearance that this places on this whole thing that she is obviously more intimately has more intimate knowledge and more intimately related with Charlie than most of us, right? And this <clears throat> this says something whether you mean it to or not. This says something, especially the endorsement of Dunleavy Dahlstrom at the end of the uh, at the end of the letter. Um, I mean, it. it yeah, I, I just I just don't even know how to react to this. I mean, I definitely believe in the presumption of innocence, uh, regardless of who it is, whether it was Henry Weinstein or Brett Kavanaugh. Or you know Kevin Spacey or Charlie Pierce. I believe in the presumption of innocence for all of those people until things are proven otherwise, right? And especially again, what really ticked me on this was the timing of this whole thing. And uh, so <clears throat> then I see this, and even though she may not have that, she does not intend it to be a reflection of guilt or innocence. Many people are going to take that inference uh, uh, out of this. Um, Sean McGuire in the uh, ADN writes about this. Ironically enough, quoting my show again here in the uh, – apparently Sean's a listener. Hi, Sean. 
Uh, I don't know if he's just doing it for research or what, but uh, uh, he's on there. But there is a great quote at the end um, when they started asking about uh, ranking the red and everything else because Dunleavy told his supporters to rank Pierce second in the November election during last week's televised debate. Um, When asked about the charges or the allegations of harassment against Charlie Pierce um, and before Grunewald made her announcement, uh, Dunleavy had told the Alaska Beacon that, quote, the allegations as described are serious and we have a system of due process under the law to vet those claims. Uh, Before adding, without any way to independently verify these claims at this late date, it would be inappropriate and unfair to all parties involved to make any uh, snap judgments or to draw any conclusions from the complaint filed just days ago. I've been focused on my race all along, and I'm asking all Alaskans for their support. And um, I'm going to say that's a pretty pretty classy uh, statement. And that I agree with that. Again, the presumption of innocence without any way to verify, to look at the proof, to look at the facts, to uh, be able to judge everything on its merits, it's, uh, it is. It's inappropriate to draw snap judgments. Um, and I think that's part of the problem here. Um, now, again, I'm not in either one of these candidates' shoes, so I can't answer for their actions or uh, reactions. I can say that the response that um, in in her in her statement that she says, I believe my stepping down at this time is a is in the best interest of Alaskans and a demonstration of my support for all women, regardless of political affiliation. And I guess I'm. I, I guess I'm I'm all for, I mean again I'm I'm all for that, uh, but th- this this really again it brings me back to the whole Kavanaugh thing again of you have to you know she didn't say believe all women but that was the impetus remember behind the whole Kavanaugh thing which had absolutely zero proof in the end. Um, that anything was actually going on. Um, and so stepping down and demonstrating my support of all women, okay, uh, again, there's a presumption of innocence, et cetera, et cetera. But at the same time, Edie spent a lot more time with Charlie than any of us, I would assume, right? But the whole thing is just <clears throat> such a hot brown mess. I mean, just just an absolute poo parade. Um, I, yeah, I mean, at this point, I'm still committed to ranking both Dunleavy and Pierce on the ticket. Um, I, you know, I just don't know again, because I believe in the presumption of innocence until hard concrete evidence has been put out. And, and the thing has been adjudicated and decided and everything else. Um, I just I just can't in good conscience, um, I just can't in good conscience throw somebody under the bus, especially when there's politics involved, right? Because again, 
We've seen false allegations. We've seen this happen before. We saw, I mean, the Kavanaugh thing is is like the biggest, that is the case study for character assassination through this kind of stuff. I'm not saying it did happen. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm saying that there is a, <clears throat> a presumption of innocence that should be there for each and every person, regardless of whether you like them personally or not. Um, you know, it was the same thing when the, when the whole thing with Weinstein and stuff came out, I think he's a horrible human being, but I think I thought, okay, well, we've got to wait and see, we got to see what the, what the, and it turned out true. Okay. That's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm all for the condemnation then, but up until that point, it can't just be, we have to be believed because we said so. It's, you know, and, um, and I'm just. You know, the whole thing is just totally, yeah, Bork. Yeah, Justice Bork is another one. The Clarence Thomas, right? Anita Hill, Clarence. There have been plenty of times when we've seen the politics of personal destruction turned onto full throttle on somebody. So at this point, I'm, I'm still going to be ranking the Pierce uh, ticket uh, on the rankings um, along with Dunleavy. That's just, that's that's how it's going to roll. But uh, <clears throat> it, uh, I, I don't know. I, I just, I guess the verbiage is what really kind of, <laughs> I guess I'm triggered. I'm triggered. I guess the verbiage on this from Edie is really kind of what triggered me is that this was seen as, you know, to support all women. I support and advocate for the respectful treatment of women in politics, the workplace, and the world in general. Mm, I think that's common sense. I think everybody does. But stepping down is in the best interest of Alaska and my demonstration of support for all women. Uh, I I just don't know. I, I don't know. I, I'm not there, but I just, that, that, that just raises some, <laughs> the fur on the back of my head. You know what I mean? It just raises, uh, raises my uh, thing. And, and again, this, this, uh, this part where she said, uh, you know, that, she, you know, my withdrawal is in no way a reflection of the guilt or innocence. It was a difficult decision because people may think it is. Well, of course, people are going to draw an inference because people, I don't think it's may think it is. I think people will think, I think it will be the, I think it will be the, because it's the first thing that came to my mind. Well, wait, you have intimate knowledge of Charlie. You know where things are going. You have all this other kind of stuff. Well, do you know something that we don't? Of course, it's going to make people think about it. I think it would be naive to believe that it doesn't reflect on the guilt or innocence of what's going on. I'm, I don't know. I got the notification last night and I was just like, what? You know, just shocked at this point because, you know, again, um, where is the expectation of the presumption of innocence? Innocent until proven guilty. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little confused. A little confused by that. All right. Well, we're up against it. I, I ran a little long on that. Sorry about that. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're hoping to hear from Delaney Johnson. I don't see her quite yet in the chat room. Or in the green room, but I do see Benjamin Vincent. Maybe we'll hot swap their places this morning. I don't know. We'll see what happens here. We'll continue the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, 
Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We got more coming up right after this. Don't go anywhere. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these uh, entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Uh, Welcome back. We are in the break right now. Uh, (laughs) I mean, what a... Absolute poo parade. Um, it is, uh, it's just, it's crazy uh, what's happening right now with all this stuff. Um, I'm sure that, uh, and I'm sure at some point we'll get a chance to talk to both candidates about this, but uh, interesting uh, to say the least. Interesting to say the least. All right. I haven't heard, I guess I, let me see if I, I think I've got Delana Johnson's phone number in my phone. I just want to make sure that she got the email. Um, uh, to, nope, how about that? There we go. Um, hey, uh, there we go. Whoops, she just popped into the green room. All right. So we're going to check in with her here in just a hot second. Um, Ben is hanging out, uh, in the background. Ben Vincent's there in the green room along with uh, Delana Johnson. We're going to talk with her as well. Um, let me go back real quick, uh, as Delane is getting everything set up, let me go back over here, um, and see what you guys are saying here. I don't think her color is true blue. I don't think that, I don't think that that means that I, I don't know what's going on. I'm not willing to throw anybody under the bus under one thing at all, but I will say that again, um, this, I think, was exactly the political mayhem they were looking for. If this whole thing was was fabricated, if this whole thing was ginned up, and I'm not saying it was or it wasn't, I'm playing the what-if game. They couldn't have asked for a better outcome. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. They couldn't have asked for a better outcome. Uh, Marcy says, if you don't think they wouldn't have subterfuge for the most conservative candidate, then you're absolutely naive. Look at Kavanaugh. Yep. Yep, I, um, yeah, I I agree. Uh, Harold says, Edie threw Charlie under the bus. Um, the lawsuit is in a criminal case. Um, so does she just want to be partnered up with him in case the allegations are proven true or what? I don't know. Um, I'm just... Uh, uh, I spoke with uh, Charlie Pierce at great length last night. He's not dropping out and has a new lieutenant governor on board. Edie dropped this bombshell to Charlie by text message. Mm, that's not cool. That's not cool. Um, if that's the case, that is definitely not cool. Um, good morning, Matt Clayman and Kathy Geisel teamed up. Where were you yesterday? I actually showed the I actually showed the thing up on the deal. All right, I got a <clears throat> I got a whole. I'm never going to get through all these comments, so we're going to go over and check in with Delana Johnson. How about that? How about that? Cash me outside. How about that? Let's go over here to uh, Delana Johnson and uh, see what she's up to. Good morning. How are you? 
morning. Good. You, you all. Although I had to get computer check for thing this morning because I didn't know I had to have Chrome. So. Oh. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't realize that nobody. I thought everybody had Chrome. I mean, come on, it's the best browser in the world. What are you doing? That's what I thought. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm. I do now, though. You do now. Do. See, now you're with the cool kids. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. All right, Delana, you. Uh, if you're ready, we'll uh, jump into this just here in a hot second, and uh, we'll be right back to you. Okay. All right, sounds good. Okay, she goes back into the uh, she goes back into the ether, back into the ether. All right, well, we are one minute out right now. Um, uh, met Chris By last night. Said Kevin McCabe, he did a pretty good job in the uh, debate in Healy. Yeah, Chris By is a solid dude. I absolutely love, uh, absolutely love uh, him. He's a great guy. Um. Until I see proof of the uh, proof and not and not innuendos, he's innocent until proven guilty. The victim has said that they waited until the last minute to do this because of the optics. This is right out of the Democratic playbook after his great showing at the debate compared to other three. The timing smells fishy. Again, anything that happens within three and a half weeks of an election is suspect. You know, anything like this is suspect. I mean, this stuff went on back in 2021 and they're just bringing it forward right now. That, I mean, again, innocent until proven guilty. I, it, It's important. It's very important. All right, here we go. We're jumping back into it. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Well, howdy. Welcome back to the program. (laughs) Yeah. Fights on. That's right. Begin. Um, We're ready to jump into this. Uh, I actually have both candidates in the green room and no, they're not going to start throwing virtual donuts at each other. That's not how it works around here. I can actually have up to eight people in the green room at one time. That would be fun. Could you imagine the round robin we could have on something like that? Um, All right. We're going to start off here in hour one. Our guest this morning is Delana Johnson, who is the current incumbent for, I can't remember what House District it used to be. Now it's House District 25. See, that's what happens is that I forget what the old district number is before I remember what the new one was. It's it's a hot mess. But it's House District 25, and it come, encompasses a big chunk of the Palmer area and the Matsu. And uh, she's going to join us this morning to talk about uh, wood ticks, lunatics, and politics. I don't know if that's a real thing or not, but we'll start there. Good morning, Delana. How are you this morning? I'm doing doing well. I don't think we have wood ticks up here, but no. Well, it's you know what, I guys, you it you find me something else that rhymes with it has the same thing for alliteration, and I'll use it. Okay, that's just all I'm saying. Stop complaining about there not being any wood ticks, Delana. Geez, I mean, you know, it's one thing after another. Uh, all right. <laughs> Um, we do have lunatics in politics, though. I can tell you that for sure. I've been watching the news. Uh, okay, so let's uh, let's dive into this and uh, and get started. Uh, Delana Johnson, um, you know, you're running for reelection. Uh, we got the we got the whole the whole thing here in front of us. What uh, for folks who don't know who you are and who may be listening for the first time or just getting engaged in politics? Um, can you give us a little bit uh, of a background about uh, you know who you are, where you are, where you came from? Uh, just a you know the thumbnail sketch of Delana Johnson in a nutshell. Wow. Okay. So the thumbnail sketch is you know it gets longer and longer every year because that's how it happens. <laughs> that's, that's how it um, works. 
I grew up in Talkeetna, um, graduated from Sioux Valley High School, and um, met my husband there. We, he was a uh, air traffic controller. At one time, he was the longest serving center controller in the United States. He retired a couple of years ago. Um, we have five children, uh, four of whom live in Alaska. Um, I do did property development, real estate, um, buying and selling my own personal real estate uh, investment. Um, and then I got into politics actually through real estate. I had a little issue city of Palmer and that drove me to the city council meetings, which I ended up being mayor of Palmer. I was mayor of Palmer from 2010 to 2016. 2016, I ran for the state legislative seat that was vacated by Shelley Hughes. And um, I've been there for six years. And that's just, yeah. So that's the thumbnail sketch. That's the thumbnail sketch. And 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 I, I do like to ask usually, you know, people, you know, when exactly did you lose your mind? What made you jump into politics? So for you, it was a personal issue regarding real estate. And that was the gateway drug was the city government, right? Before you got to the was, state government. It was parking. It was a parking issue. <laughs> I mean, and yeah, I guess it was. It's me being, it was, it was a business issue. And, and uh, I found out in Parking is fairly arbitrary and, and uh, like a lot of things. So I, I actually went to city council meetings. I, I had a, a building I was working on that was a problematic in a way. It had all kinds of um, issues. It was, it's currently where the Palmer Ale House is housed. Um, and uh, so I, I had to work through a lot of issues with that property. And, and so I went to city council meetings for probably about um, six, I don't know, three to six years before I, or I ran for mayor, but uh, yeah, I learned learned a lot, and it's I tell you, it's it's an inter- very fascinating. It's so fascinating to be in politics, and I guess because I like people, and politics is all about people. Um, I think maybe I'm going to move this care. I didn't realize the caricature was in the background. My daughter, my daughter-in-law is a caricature artist, so um, <laughs> that's good. We're, we're just <laughs> looking at you. You just be yourself. I can see that up on the top. That's fine. Uh, you keep, you keep saying <laughs> you said uh, you said fascinating, um, and I don't think you know what that word means. I think you meant frustrating. Uh, I've been in politics. I know what that's like. It is. I mean, it's it's uh, it is fascinating in some ways, but definitely frustrating as well because you know sometimes you just can't <clears throat> mold people to your will. We need to get something done, and it's a it's definitely a hard uh, hard situation. Let's talk about the state of Alaska. Uh, speaking of frustration, um, here we have uh, we've had a majority of Republicans in the House for the last four years, I guess, and yet we have been majority for six six years, six years, and yet we've been living under the tyranny of a bipartisan majority caucus. And um, speaking of frustration, that's just got to be the ultimate in just uh, uh, pull your hair out and uh, and and galling. Tell me a little bit about the experience of uh, of being in there for that long uh, and and watching what's happened and uh, and you know give us give us a feel for what it's like. Well, frustration is very yeah. That's a that's a good word for that. When you go to Juno and and you don't organize until Valentine's Day, um, and every day is um, that 2020 split where one of those members, um, Rep. Stutes from Kodiak, made no bones about it, that she was on the 
would not be, you know, organizing with the Republicans, but that we had 20. And then at the last moment, having people jump across to form their 21. You know, every day you're hope you're hoping that no one's going to jump, that no one's going to, uh, uh, you know, you just you're you're it's 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 a it seems like a, an eternity, and then they form. Everybody's quite happy that they formed, and they go off to do their merry way. And you sit there and think, well, how in the world did this possibly happen? We're Republicans. We're supposed to have a Republican state. That's what people have elected, right. and here you are sitting with a and you know we louise was the Stutes was the republican speaker but it was definitely made up of 13 i, I get my count right here i might be off by a session but 13 13 and then four independents but independents that are running i'm sad to say because i think for alaskans we are independents we really cherish the term independent i do i mean i I don't like to be tied, you know, like I'm just a Republican and I march along lockstep. I'm, you know, I grew up with it as an, in, you know, feeling like I'm an independent um, in a lot of ways. But yet we're, that's, word's been hijacked to the detriment of really being running, people running as Democrats. Right, so, being used as camouflage for a lot of these candidates. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't win with a D behind my name, so I'll be independent. Yes. Right. Um, it, it, go ahead, I'm sorry. A lot of levels, I guess. Yeah. No, I agree. And, and it's got to be painful to try and participate and do all these things um, and be fr- and be foiled and frustrated there at the end with this kind of bipartisan coalitionship. Let's talk for a second about the run for reelection. Uh, obviously, <clears throat> your candidate or your challenger is also a Republican. So we've got two Republicans fighting for the same seat. Uh, ranked choice voting, uh, uh, kind of a hot mess. Uh, but let's talk uh, a little bit about what you're hearing on the campaign trail as you're going door to door. I know you're Super involved in the community. I know you've knocked on a lot of doors over the years, uh, but this last election cycle, I'm curious as to see what the priorities have become. Uh, is it inflation? Is it the is it uh, you know the size and scope of government? Is it ranked choice voting? Is it crime? Is it the PFD? What are the things that people are talking about? Um, the thing that I think there's there's the the one thing that's different this this year. I think that's um is maybe the sense of uncertainty that is out there. There's a lot of, I think the inflation, the interest rates, the um, maybe the lack of being able to hire, hire people. Um, there, obviously there's a lot, there's the issues. There's always the financial issues. There's the PFD is a big issue, but I think I've never seen the level of uncertainty and, and um Especially, I think amongst young, young people, among younger people. But I will say that you know, older people were young once. We all were, and a lot of those people have grandchildren and and young, no young families. And so, older people get very concerned for even if they're doing okay, they're always concerned about younger people and how they're going to be able to make it. Because older people know that we have to keep people in Alaska, and we're watching that kind of that professional drain out of Alaska right now. And I think there's a lot of concern um, just in so many areas. It, we talk about teaching and the, the uh, how difficult it is to hire people and how to keep our schools and, and the, you know, open and so on. But it's not just Alaska and it's not just that one profession. It's, it's all of them. And so I think the uncertainty is the biggest difference 
that I see in talking to people that's different, um, not as the overriding issue, but I mean, not as a single issue, but as one that touches every piece of it. I think financial, obviously the financials, the PFD is, is always big. And, um, you know, all, all the ones that we deal with every year. So do they talk to you about inflation? Do they talk to you about the – I mean, it sounds like you're talking to a lot of people who are working in the business community looking for help and doing some of those things, which I'm sure is a huge component. I deal with businesses every day, and if I had a nickel over the, for, over the last two years, every time they said, I wish I could hire somebody else, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'd be a gazillionaire at this point. But what about personal issues, you know, like, again, the crime or the finances or things like that? What, what you know, the PFD, I mean, is that a, is that a hot button issue? Well, the PFD is all, always a hot button issue and has brought the legislature to a standstill. I mean, I think there's no doubt that we watch what's happened in Juneau and that that uh, and this is continuing. But in yeah, so in general, people just want to have it settled. I think they want to see that things get settled. Um, people don't want to just keep hearing the fight over and over and over right. and over again. Well, and you know? and and you're right. I mean, I think that's one of the biggest things is that the PFD has become the proverbial volleyball getting batted back and forth across the net and it sucked up all the other oxygen in the room. There's no room for any other discussion. And many people have said, this is something we need to fix. But I have said, this is my opinion. You could tell me if I'm right or I'm wrong. I have said that there are certain powers that be in the legislature, some of the old guard who kind of like to do things the way that they do them, that they're happy with the kind of the crisis mode. They're happy with it because again, it allows them to, you know, time compression as a weapon to, to, you know, look over here while I'm over here kind of thing. Uh, I believe that there's, that there are some in the legislature who are just happy to have it be the political football every year. You are absolutely correct. They're absolutely correct. I don't believe that we would be at this razor thin majority minority if we didn't have the PFD issue and the people on the other side of the aisle right now know that and keeping us in crisis mode is keeping, is, is keeping them in a position of power. And I, I, I believe that a hundred percent. And I've said it over and over again, because it doesn't make sense. There is otherwise it doesn't make sense that we don't resolve the problem. I've been there for six years and we just are constantly wringing our hands about the PFD. And when you have the majority, then you do something about it if you want to fix something. Right. That's what being the majority means. Well, quickly, before we run out of time for this segment, uh, your position on the PFD, you believe that we should follow the law, uh, pay a full statutory PFD? Um, I'm going to go a little further than that and say I'm, I'm really am a ham and plan person because it ties people to the actual earnings of the PFD. I, you know, we've botched things up so badly that we may have to, you know, have a five-year change to things so we can sunset it and get back to it because i think if you put it into a model it you can't quite do that right now but i mean if we do the pomb which is what we also have on the books right um that just ends up being something that you allows us to go into the corpus i don't think people understand that the pomb takes away that just that discerning discernment between an earnings reserve and the corpus so the pm POMB opens the corpus forever, but it doesn't give the full, the um, the amount on the earnings that tie people to really paying attention to what's happening at the permanent right. like the 
plan does it doesn't have all the it does not have all the protections that the statutory formula does the statutory formula rides with the bulls and the bear markets it goes up and down based on what we're earning the pomv is just a raw draw and it can draw into the corpus and it can overdraw the fund uh if they continue to just pull on it would you support a repeal of sb26 so that we don't have conflicting laws and we can get back to it yes i and the other piece that, that i find extremely frustrating was watching the transfers into the corpus. I mean, we transferred so much money. I mean, um, I don't remember, we transferred 4 billion, our latest transfer, and it was more before that. Um, and I think that we are drawing down the earnings reserve to force us into an income tax, to force us into the POMB. So we couldn't get into the corpus. We have to have the POMB and we have to have an income tax. I mean, there's that's no doubt in my mind that we're being forced into this um, artificial poverty so we can try to make Alaskans have to pay an income tax. And I find that kind of despicable, actually. Uh, Delana Johnson is our guest candidate for uh, re-election in District 25. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue with her. Don't go anywhere. It is the Michael Duke Show continuing our candidate interviews. Coming up tomorrow on the program, it's going to be uh, Forrest Wolf and Liz Vasquez. In hour two today, it'll be Benjamin Vincent. We continue with Delana Johnson in just a moment on your Oprah Common Sense Radio. What is that? Common Sense. Regularly heard on American Radio. Michael Duke Show. Okay, we're in the break right now. Delana Johnson is our guest, and uh, we are continuing with her. We like to change gears a little bit in the break, Delana, so that we don't uh, repeat for the uh, podcast. Um, so, I mean, I'll ask you about the obvious elephant in the room right now, the uh, the whole uh, Pierce Grunewald thing, the announcement last night, um, the support for all women, the presumption of innocence. I mean, I just I went on and on about it for the first 20 minutes of the show today. I'm curious as to what your take is on uh, on all of this um, and, uh, you know, what your overall thoughts are on the potential for October surprise or standing or, you know, what? just give us your take here. Yeah, so I, I, was, I, I have been thinking about that and I do know, understand that we're talking about politics, not the court of law. So that's, that's first of all. Um, and while the October surprise may be manipulated, I don't really blame Edie. I mean, she's already been caught up in one um, s scandal, for for lack of a better term, about, uh, you know, uh, uh, whatever the current term is. I don't know. Uh, uh, you know, workplace harassment, maybe more so in the National Guard issue. Right. The Me, Too, so, the Me Too movement in the National Guard. Right. And so, I mean, I, I completely understand where she's coming from on a more holistic perspective it might be different but i understand what i understand why edie's doing that i mean you know right now i have to say Edie, if she had you know i really feel for her because if she didn't have any anything she, if she didn't have anything but bad luck she'd have no luck at all i mean she has been caught up in right. things that i think of no uh, that she has no um she's had no hand in but it's impacted her tremendously right and so as far as from her personal perspective, I, it makes sense to me now. From the from the pure perspective, I'm sure that's completely different. But that would be my thought on that. 
No, I mean, I um, I definitely don't envy her the position of having to uh, deal with this. And again, as you said, after the previous scandal and then, of course, their, her own personal tragedies and everything else. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on and things all out of, res- you know, necessarily out of her control. Um I'm just I was just curious just basically because of the comment about supporting all women and 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 everything else um it's a difficult situation and uh and and I know it's politics versus criminal courts or civil courts but at the same time you know it, it's the same thing we saw with Kavanaugh you know it's the it's the potential for uh, uh, the, uh, you know, automatically assuming someone is guilty because there's been an, uh, because there's been an allegation and the tarnishment that comes with that. And I, for one, I'm just like, wait, I mean, I, I even said it, I think on the program here, you know, when Harvey Weinstein and Kevin Spacey and all these other guys that I disagree with, you know, from their philosophies and everything else, even I said, well, wait, we got to wait till to what the court says, we got to see what the case comes out. We got to wait to see what the evidence says, because we've seen people say things before that turned out not to be true and it destroyed or you're trying to destroy people's lives. So we got to watch it. So to me, it's just that the whole presumption of innocence um, has got to kind of play out. But since it's politics, that don't matter, it seems like. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, it comes back again to that whole phrase of the politics of personal destruction. Well, that, and, and that's unfortunate. I'll, I'll say that I was, you know, I had a ringside seat to, I think, one of the worst instances of that that I've ever seen happen was when we were in confirmations for the uh, governor's appointments and Ivy Sponhold stood up on the floor right before the vote and and accused, um, I believe it was John Stone, who was a fish, uh, right. pointer fish board. Yep. And I mean, it. we had absolutely no time whatsoever to react to that. I mean, it, it is, it's unconscionable to do, to do um, that kind of character assassination. So I would lay that right squarely at the feet of, uh, if it's character assassination. I mean, yes, you got to see it play out. Um, right. there's, there's no doubt about that. And, you know, October surprises, those are, that's the bread and butter of politics. I don't, I can never say that um, it's not. I mean, it, it is, and it's, 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 it's ugly business. I'll say it. Yeah, definitely a, uh, de- definitely a hard pill to swallow one way or the other. And, and uh, you know, for everybody involved, I'm just kind of scratching my head at this point. Um, all right, we are. Um, well, it- I'll just say in the long run, it harms the conservative cause. I mean, all the way around, because now we're talking about, okay, who do you rank second? I mean, this isn't it. Don't, don't, don't uh, ever, don't ever fool yourself. This is about an attack on conservatism. It's not an attack on personalities. It's an attack on conservatism, and um, it'll, it will continue. Yeah. Um, well, we'll uh, we'll have to wait and see and watch how this all plays out and what the uh, what the end result of this is. But, uh, you know, we'll remember this moment right here when we're talking about it. We're talking about it in situ as it's happening. And in hindsight, we'll be able to go back and look to see what the actual cause was. But by that time, obviously, it will probably be too late. Uh, maybe we'll learn. Maybe we won't. I doubt we'll learn anything. It will happen again. Uh, Delana Johnson is our guest. Again, candidate for House District 25. Folks, please like and share this video. Like and follow the show page. Let's continue on this discussion. Here we go.
Continuing now with Delana Johnson, who is a candidate for House uh, re-election in District 25, the Palmer-Matsu area. Uh, she's joining us right now. Uh, we talked a little bit about the PFD repeal of SB 25. Uh, ranked choice voting has obviously been a big issue. A lot of people are upset about it. I have found a few people who uh, I surprisingly found out voted in favor of it. But every one of them told me they voted in favor of it because it would remove dark money from all the uh, politics, of course. And we know that that was a falsehood and not really true. Um, so what are your thoughts on ranked choice voting? And it should be something we should be looking at or the legislature should be looking at to modify or repeal coming into this next cycle. Well, I'd like to see it repealed. I don't think that's any surprise. I've talked to people that like it, um, mostly young people, people under 25. Um, I think they're, they don't, re don't really understand that the more, um, I mean, one, one thing that you look at in, in, in regimes around the world, that the, the most unstable re regimes have the most people on the ballot. And um, the more stable it is, the more less likely that you have, you know, all these different factions out there. So, but, um, so there are a few people I've talked to that like it, but like I said, mostly young people. For me, it extends the campaign season. Just It's just forever. It seems like you don't ever finish up a campaign where, and I don't like, you know, I don't like this idea of capturing campaign late in the, the year. People don't like standing at their door in November with the door or October when the doors when it's cold out. <laughs> Letting all the heat um, out, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's not, that's not a very great, you know, that's not a great overriding uh, reason, but uh to me, to me, the um, I don't, you know, I, I appreciate the party system because I know what it stands for, and I think when you get into ranked choice voting, you don't always understand all the subtleties of what people are being thrown out there at you. So, right. um, you would support you would support a change or reversal back to the previous. Yeah. yeah, electoral uh, statutes. Um, let's talk about one of the biggest issues, and we're seeing this in every, you know, lots of the campaign slogans, especially on the more progressive and liberal side, is this discussion on the base student allocation and the lack of funding for education and, oh, my God, how do, why do we hate children um, kind of thing going on. Um, and it's become a talking point that we just haven't we just haven't uh, we haven't uh, paid for education. We haven't funded education fully over the last five years, as if the base student allocation is the only dollars going to education. Obviously, it's the second largest item in the budget. We've spent hundreds of millions of dollars on education over the last uh, seven. They're, they're going back to 2017. That was the last time they adjusted the BSA. Um, but e even over those last five years, we've spent hundreds of millions of dollars in education. As you see this, what do you wh – what do you think? Uh, I mean, is there, a, is there a way – are we spending enough? Uh, is the is it more money the answer? Is something fundamentally broken in the system? What's your take on this, and and how do we bring this uh, to heal? So I've I've been fortunate enough. I've sat. One thing I I feel really fortunate about in the legislature is I've been able to sit on a lot of committees. Um, the first year I was there, you know, things had really changed up, and I. I, our first session, I, I don't even, I can't even list the number of committees I sat on, but uh, the second session I was there, I was the minority whip. And that just means you get every committee that no one else wants or they drop off of. So at some point, I think I was serving on like eight committees. And one of those was education. Education was, I was on education. And I currently serve on finance, which um, I'm only, the only Matsu member that serves on finance. And so um, we, I had a front ringside seat to the, uh, 
to the discussion on the BSA this year and the previous session as well. And I guess I don't know what, uh, I don't know what problem, I don't know what problem is, is solved by just adding more money to it, unless it's just pure saying, how am I gonna increase my bank account? Um, but if you're talking about any kind of social problem, there is a balance. And I think that if we were to envision a graph, there's there's always these, these place where the lines cross, where there's just enough money and then there's other issues that come into play. And one of the things that people don't remember is that during the time where the last four years where Governor Dunleavy made you know, severe budget cuts at, time, at, at one time and then, you know, changes over the next few years. Education was not part of that. If you had heard that education was one of the pieces that he was, was, uh, was cutting, you would have, you would have even heard more outcry, but right. we have not been cutting education over this past K, so they K, have K twelve. I just want to say K twelve education because he was cutting K-12. into the university, but K twelve is what we're not, talking not about, for, right? Yeah. Right. Yes. And so, so I just, first of all, I just want to get that on the table. So I sat through the whole BSA uh, discussion. I had a constitutional amendment bill to uh, make money follow the child under the Blaine Amendment, what's called the Blaine Amendment in, the, in, the, in uh, Alaska, where, you know, we can't have a voucher system. We don't really have competition in schools. Um, and we have, we've heard it over and over again, the highest spending and, and the lowest outcomes. Governor Dunleavy, and I will give Tom Begich some credit there for trying to shepherd and for shepherding through the Read by Nine uh, Act. We got that through last year. That was a huge lift, and we haven't seen the outcomes for that yet. But that was an attempt to introduce some accountability. So if you can't have the money follow the child, perhaps you can have accountability follow the money. And we haven't had an opportunity to have accountability in, right. in education. And that's that's a piece that's lacking, and I we have to introduce that. So would you support uh, some kind but of ch- – we have – you know, I was just going to say, would you support some kind of choice or some kind of effort for backpack funding where the money follows a student instead of going straight to the brick and mortar? Absolutely. I have no no doubt about that. And so um, what was interesting is so last year, one of the things is uh, any child that's homeschooled, they're, I'm trying to remember the rate. So they don't fall under the VSA funding formula. Right. So they're, they're none of the changes that are made that are added on. So the, the child in a brick and mortar school, they may, they get numbers of indexes added to the amount that they receive at school. Well, homeschool student does, doesn't do that, but their outcomes are good. So one of the things during the BSA discussion, I, I said, well, let's make all students equal. And so let's make all students funded at the same rate. Let's make homeschool students funded at the same rate as all kids going into the, and it wasn't a huge amount of money, but you know, I believe that that killed the BSA increase. Right. Because I had the votes and we did, we added the amendment to make homeschool students um, uh, receive the same rate. And by golly, they were not going to allow homeschool students that actually are do outperform the right. uh, outperform brick and mortar they they would rather kill the BSA increase for all students than allow 
uh, homeschool students to to be equal. So that tells you a little bit about where people are, you know, some legislators are thinking, and they would rather destroy something than to allow homeschool students to um, to shine. Delana Johnson, we got less than a minute left. Your elevator pitch, why people should vote for you and where they find out about you. Go. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks. Thanks for having me here. And thanks for, you know, being that kind of light out there that you always know you can get get good current information. I appreciate that. My uh, website is electalena.com. And, um, you know, I'm always just somebody that's I'm I'm here until I'm not here. I'm an Alaskan first. Um, I believe that I have a very open office that people can pretty much catch me anytime. My number 907-355-8866, that's my cell number. Um, and uh, that's, I, I am who I am and I, I know my district very, very well. I know Alaska very well. I have you know, family. Del- Delana Johnson, here. thank you so much. Sorry. I'm we, here for the long haul. Okay. That's All right. Sorry. We were up against a hard break there. We had to go. It, it clicked over on us. So I want to give you the, this is, a, you know, we always give the candidates the last couple minutes after when, once we hit the commercial break. Uh, I want to give you the chance to, uh, uh, you know, some, anything we didn't hit, any topic that you are hot to trot on or anything you want to dive deeper into. We got about two and a half, three minutes here that we can uh, let you uh, roam free. And if you want to finish your uh, your elevator pitch as well, whatever you want to do, I give you the floor for your final thoughts here. Right now. Right now. Right now. We're right, like it's just right me. Right. It's just me, you, and seventy of our closest friends on the internet right now. So go ahead. Right. Well, very good. So again, I'm an Alaskan first. It's my home. I'm not. I'm not leaving. I don't plan to. You know, not even if I had a plan, I, I, I just can't imagine being anywhere else. Um, I, I fear for our, our state. I love our state. I rejoice when our state does well. Um, I'm emotionally tied to this place. I have four children that live here and two grandchildren. And that does make a difference. My roots are here. And I also believe that Alaska is the best, very best place in the world for opportunity. You don't have to have a pedigree. You don't have to have a long, you don't have a family that's been here, been in the state or in the country forever. You can come and you can be anything you want to be. And I still believe that. And I believe that we do have to remember that um, Alaska has been the land of opportunity and we darn sure better not kill that off and with our foolish actions in the government. And so, um, when it comes to an income tax and, and anything that it defeats the working person or the business person, I'm the person there to stand up for, for people that do business. I'm endorsed by that. I think I'm one of the three people that would be Dunleavy, one other legislator myself, um, endorsed by the National Federation of Independent Businesses because I sponsored a bill and it did get put into another bill to uh, allow co- any kind of, any person that was open during the COVID pandemic to not be held liable that their business was a COVID spreader location. So um, I stand up for doing business and people making their own choices and personal responsibility. And I, I don't know if I, I, I'm terrible with, you know, squeezing in the right amount of time, but um, <laughs> so I don't know where I'm at on that. Well, you still got a minute and a half left, so don't, uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll give you the high sign. You'll you'll see me pop back up like this uh, when we're getting close to uh, wrapping you up. So go ahead. And I, 
I, I tend to be part of the brevity caucus. That's in the. That's in not the a bad thing when it comes to politicians. Trust me, because uh, there's been a few times when I've run right over the top of the hour. They're still going. You know what I mean? So it's don't definitely. All right. So any other things? Are you doing any meet and greets or anything else? Are you? Uh, I do. You know? Actually, I do, and I um, I have a meet and greet uh, Thursday on October 27th. So it's tomorrow um, from four to seven p.m. at the Colony Inn in Palmer. Anybody that wants to come by and just visit for a while, I would be really pleased to meet anyone. I want to talk about my my the new part of my district. I mean, kind of talk about the changes in the district too would be, um, so I used to have District 11, went all the way to Wasilla. Um, I had a lot of that area. Now I have picked up the Butte and everything on the Eastern side of the Matanuska River, which I'm kind of excited about people kind of gave me some grief about the Butte for some reason. And I was like, Hey, those are Palmer people. I'm excited to be representative. And and not only that, I just bought a house in the Butte. So um, that's very exciting to me. I having that Eastern side of the Valley will be is good. And I'm happy about that. Um, if, if I am honored enough to be reelected and I uh, um, I'm would be honored and look forward to serve, serve that area. Um, and there will be challenges. I mean, we are going to get hammered about the BSA. We are going to be looking at, we, we based a budget last year on $91 per barrel this year. Last I checked, the average was about $85 a barrel, which, you know, straight off the tops about a six, 7% reduction. Um, but I think that's, that's reasonable and easy enough to do. Um, we, we, we have lots of challenges facing us and we can't squander right now because I think it's an important time in Alaska history. That's why I think I'm, you know, good for me to be there. I'm a solid, I'm just a solid person doing, trying to do the right thing. And your website one more time uh, there, Delena? It's uh, electdelena.com. All right, Delana Johnson, candidate for House District 25. Thanks for coming on this morning. I appreciate it. And I'm sorry you Thanks had to download me. Chrome. I mean, that's a tough it's a tough situation. It's a, it's all good. Thank you for coming on board. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. All right. Uh, Delana goes back uh, into the green room to uh, go on her merry way this morning. Let's jump over real quick. Ben Vincent uh, is with us this morning. He's been hanging out all morning with us in the chat room uh, through the in the back end there in the green room. Good morning, Ben. How are you? Good morning. It's been a great show so far. I'm excited to make it better. Well, I'm I'm excited for you to make it better as well. You sound good. You look good. We're all good to go. Just wanted to check to make sure all the deets were well. Did you have to download Chrome? I'm just asking. I did <laughs> not. I've, I've had Chrome since I got my laptop. <laughs> there you go. All right. Nothing uh, worth getting. Exactly. Exactly. I, I always remember the meme that uh, it's the meme of the of the stick figures with the with the ex- Internet Explorer head and the Internet and the one with the Chrome head. And it's the first thing you do when you buy your computer and it shows the Chrome guy pointing a gun at the uh, Internet Explorer guy to have make his own grave kind of thing. It's uh, anyway, it's a techno geek thing. Uh, all right. Well, Ben, uh, hold the line with us. We're going to be right back to you here and we'll be jumping back into it with you here in just a hot second. All right, folks. I'm ready to uh, <clears throat> ready to jump into hour two. Like and share this show. Like and follow the show page. Um, make sure you ring the bell on YouTube and uh, subscribe and ring the bell. Uh, you get YouTube notific- uh, notifications a lot better than Facebook ones. I think they're a lot more reliable. So if you're having a hard time getting notifications for the show, that's where you go. All right, we're gonna we're gonna dive into this. 
Let's get things going on. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Let's do it. in its holster we haven't gone anywhere i don't understand check out the michaeldukeshow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast welcome to the party pal the, the michael dukes show the greed and the entitlement is astounding to me what more could you want from a low-budget radio program this is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukesShow.com, where you'll find the audio-only live stream, social media links to all the places that we simulcast the show, including Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, and, of course, links to the podcast, which are available wherever you find podcasts. My favorite one is Spotify. Uh, and uh, that's where you go for all the info. Also, of course, broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. Uh, welcome back to the program. want to remind you that this hour of the program is being brought to you by your friends over there at Satellite West. You can find them at SatelliteWest.com. If you are looking to stay in touch, to be communicative, to be able to send an email or check the internet or send a text message or make a phone call from anywhere from Uktavik all the way down to ADAC. It doesn't matter where you are in the state. Satellite West can get you hooked up. They've got all the technology uh, to uh, they got all the technology to do that for you. You could find out and get all the information at satellitewest.com. They are proud sponsors of the show today, and we appreciate their sponsorship and support of the program. Thank you very much to Satellite West for being part of it today. All right, uh, we're continuing now. We just finished up with Delana Johnson, who is a candidate for uh, House District 25. You can go back and listen to that on the podcast or watch the replay on YouTube if you missed it. Meanwhile, we're moving a little further south. Now we're headed on down to Kodiak, uh, where we've got a head-to-head with uh, uh, with the candidate in House District uh, 5, uh, which is the district currently being held by... At ease, Louise. Uh, Louise Stutes is the current uh, is the current reigning champ in that district. Uh, but this morning, we're bringing on Benjamin Vincent. Ben, uh, Benjamin is the uh, candidate uh, who is looking to dethrone uh, the Queen of Mean, and we'll see what uh, he has to say. He joins us right now. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. I'm, I'm doing excellent. Thanks for coming on board and joining us. Um, so, Ben, uh, first, let's talk about, is it Ben or Benjamin? I just, I, it's Ben. ben. Okay, good, Ben. Um, so, Ben, uh, first and foremost, uh, let's get some background on you, who you are, where you are, where you came from. Give us your life story in, you know, two minutes or less, I guess, is what I'm looking for. A little bit of background on who you are. 
All right. Yeah. So uh, I moved up to Alaska with my family when I was uh, seven or eight years old. Before that, I was a military brat in the Marine Corps. Uh, my parents were actually in there, my father specifically, uh, for 30 years. So before Alaska, it was California, Virginia, uh, Okinawa, Japan. So I've had a huge amount of, um, uh, I guess, like a, a visual and experience around the world and uh, kind of seeing things that work and things that don't work Right uh, around there. Uh, from move, uh, moving to Alaska, I was homeschooled my whole life. Uh, so I graduated idea homeschool. That's out of Galena. Um, I went up to Galena for a month-long culinary class, actually, and that's where I met my beautiful wife, Brianna. Um, uh, we actually just got married last year, and after high school, I went on to UAA, got a degree in business management and real estate. And right after graduating, I got called to uh, begin managing some properties out here in Kodiak. I couldn't say no because uh, growing up, I was always going down to Seward fishing and snagging the silvers out of the ocean with everybody else uh, just in front of that little river there and uh, talking with the locals and whatnot as I was growing up. Since I was 14, I'd always wanted to live in a coastal community in Alaska. As soon as I got the call, it was a no-brainer. Dropped everything left. I even left my wife for a little bit until we got married. Um, but now we're here and uh, we're running for state house. Loving it. Uh, I spent some time in Kodiak shortly after I graduated from high school. Kodiak is a beautiful place and I really, uh, I really love it. Great fishing community and everything else. Uh, my daughter also, uh, all my kids have gone through idea and what my daughter actually attended the culinary course there at Galena as well. That's a, uh, a neat, uh, neat bit of parallelism there for that. Um, Ben, what, uh, now that you're, <clears throat> you know, you're out and about, you've got your degree, you've done all these things. What made you decide to uh, jump headlong into this madness of politics? I mean, when exactly did you lose your mind? Was it a was it an aha moment? Was it a single thing, or was it a kind of a cumulative thing where they just stacked on top of each other until the levee broke? What what what's your take there? Yes, yeah. So it was a cumulative thing. Uh, it's uh, while I was in college talking with some friends and whatnot, we all came to the agreement like. Uh, that government doesn't run itself. And at the end of the day, it is just a bunch of people that are getting together and helping uh, things function. Uh, so if you're going to live in the community, you got to help out in that way. So be it um, on like a board or a commission with your local borough or municipality, uh, be it uh, getting involved in the legislature and helping out that way. Uh, 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 if you have the ability and the know-how to make something happen, uh, you got to put the foot forward and help serve your community because uh, they're serving you uh, just by having that community there around you. Uh, so I do believe that uh, individuals, whenever possible, should be involved in government. Um, as far as what took me up to the state legislature, uh, I'm a go big or go home kind of guy. Um, it's like I work in real estate and uh, the property management. Uh, it's for my licensee type of things. The first thing I'm doing is I'm leasing up a new uh, mall development that we're calling the Kodiak Marketplace here in town. Uh, so I'm helping revitalize downtown. I want to uh, revitalize our island, our district, uh, help out Cordova and Seward, retain the the youthful generations uh, so that we stop the bleeding heart issue. And I just haven't been seeing that from the current leadership. And that's something that um, uh, the need, that needs to change. Otherwise, uh, if you're not growing, you're going to be shrinking because everybody else is growing around you. And I don't want to see that happen for our district. Right. So you've had a chance now. You're running for office. You're getting a chance to uh, go out and about and see the people. My question uh, to every candidate so far has been, when you go out there and press the flesh, when you go and knock on doors and stand on people's porches, what are they concerned about, Ben? Is it the PFD? Is it ranked choice voting? Is it inflation, the economy? What, what, are, what are the things that they are talking to you about? Give me the top three things that people are talking about when you're knocking on their door? 
Yeah, so I've heard on uh, on everyone of those things that you just mentioned, but the top three that I found out is the housing situation in our, in our district, uh, taking care of our ferries, uh, getting politics out of it, and also getting Alaska's fair share from uh, the big oil companies. So uh, a revamp of the oil taxation, ferries, yep. and everything else. Um, I, I'm curious, where does the PFD fall in there? Because, again, that would also be Alaska's fair share. So I'm wondering what uh, what they're saying. Are they okay with the leftover formula that's been saying? Or are more people saying that we should be following the law? What What's your take on that? Uh, from what I've been hearing, um, a lot of people are saying that it would be nice if we could follow the law. Uh, but a lot of individuals here is like, since we rely on these massive state services, such as the ferry system, we also understand that, that the state needs to get paid for somehow. Right. And if we can't um, get the revenue from the oil companies, or we can't find other ways of revenue, it then it's got to come out of somewhere. And a lot of individuals here understand that. Uh, it's, it's a lot of like to see change. I feel like if we're going to tax the PFD, we got to call it what it is. So it's like we're taxing. So that means we're also taxing the five-year-old little girl and the seniors that are on SSI and uh, fixed incomes. Right. Well, again, there should be some equity uh, and equitability in there for a lot of that. Um, you know, if the state is going to, you know, the state does have to pay for a lot of these services, there should be some prioritization. And uh, the law says that they should be paying that PFD. And that means uh, either that or they're, you know, they're spending the money on something else. So we need to have a, we need to have a talk about where the money's coming from and how it's affecting everybody across the uh, uh, across the uh, state. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your position specifically since I started with the PFD, which I normally do. Um, do you think that we should be following? I mean, should the legislature be required to follow the law? And if they don't like the law, not just ignore it, but actually change it to match whatever it is that they want instead of leaving this law on the books to create and cause more contention and strife? Absolutely, yes. Um, uh, what I heard from Delana Johnson was uh, uh, a lot of legislatures in favor of the political football. Um, what I've been seeing happening is it causes a crisis and uh, the legislators of the incumbents come in with that crisis, say, I'm going to fix this crisis, but it never gets fixed. And uh, that's something that I've been seeing in our ferries. It's uh, to a degree happening with the SB 21 with the oil tax situation. And uh, uh, we need to stop that and go back and say, we need to follow the law. We are the ones who create the law. We can't just say uh, laws for you, but not for me. Uh, it needs to be across the board. And I realize it's going to take some, a uh, little bit of strife to get back to that point. Uh, it might not happen in one year. Uh, it took us years to get to this point uh, where the PFD is being used in this way. So it's, so, uh, so it may take us a little while to get to the point, um, to an area where the PFD is fully payable again. We're talking with Ben uh, Vincent, uh, who's running for District 5 uh, House of Representatives against Louise Stute, uh, Stutes. Uh, let's talk about um, government itself. Um, the size and scope of government in the state of Alaska. Is it uh, too big? Is it too small? Is it just right, as Goldilocks used to say? What, what, is, what is Ben Vincent's take on the current size and scope of government in the state of Alaska? Yeah, so based on what I've been seeing around my district, um, I think it's kind of coming up on a little bit too big. Um, it's like a lot of the need for the government is for those services. And uh, then what happens is when we make budget cuts to like the, say the DOT or to the ferries, um, the legislature, we don't control where the budgets get cut. We just say you need to reduce your budget by this amount. Um, it's then the individuals that are like the commissioners, they decide where it gets cut. So they end road maintenance for uh, specific areas. People get upset about that, uh, myself included. They stop uh, certain amenities and uh, maintenance on the ferries, causing the ferries to be unreliable and inconsistent. 
Um, uh, so I do think it's like a combination type of answer. It's it's like, yes, government is getting too big, in my opinion. Um, but we also need to hold our commissioners and those running the budgets and deciding on those budget cuts right. accountable. Because if we're going to cut one thing, you can't just cut the easiest thing and let everybody else suffer getting that person out of office. Well, the legislature does have a lot of latitude and leeway in deciding. I mean, they can fund certain lines, certain items. They can remove funding for uh, for example, empty employee slots that are being funded. I mean, the legislature has a lot of latitude and a lot of power over that. Ultimately, obviously, the commissioners can then, once they've been given that money, can direct it in a lot of ways. But, I mean, the legislature, I mean, the governor sets kind of the the, the theme uh, and the tempo of everything. And then the legislature gets to go in there and make the changes and cuts and pairings and increases and anything else. So there is a lot of responsibility on the legislature to make sure that they are providing what's required by the Constitution and not funding things that are, you know, it's the must-haves versus the nice-to-haves, right? Uh, transportation exactly. system in the state is a must-have. It should be done for the most efficient way possible, but it's a must-have. So, I mean, should we be looking for programs that are just nice-to-haves that the state shouldn't be funding and use those monies for the things that are mandated by the state? Yeah. Yes, definitely. Um, I believe the state needs to be run a lot like a household because uh, for me and uh, uh, my wife, like um, if the things are getting a little bit tight, uh, it's like, OK, we're go we're at the grocery store. It's nice to have this one item, but we don't have to have it. So let's put it back. Um, and we need to operate in just that way. We can't say, well, it's nice to have everything and then pull from um, the PFD uh, in order to make up those uh, uh, those certain deficits, uh, which is exactly what's been happening. It's um, allows the legislature to have a lot of what's nice to have as opposed to what's uh, only what's needed and maintain a smart fiscal plan and a uh, smart budget. Uh, ben, Vincent, uh, ben Vincent is our guest. Uh, he's a candidate for House District 25. Uh, that's a good stopping point for now. We're coming up on the break, so I figure we might as well just go do that uh, here at this exact second. So we'll continue with Ben here in just a moment. Don't forget, you can always come out and join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show. If you would uh, like to participate uh, in the middle of everything and uh, be part of it during the uh, breaks, we're out there with you guys as well. We'll continue in just a moment with our conversations with Ben Vincent right after this on your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like... America used to be streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we're in the break right now. Ben Vincent is our guest. Uh, we like to uh, change gears just a little bit uh, as we go through. Uh, ben, I'll ask you the same question. You were in the green room uh, while Delana was on, so I'll ask you the same question. Your thoughts on the whole conundrum right now on the gubernatorial race and the mess with Charlie Pierce and uh, and Edie Grunewald. Do you have any opinion on how things are shaking out there? Give us uh, your kind of thumbnail thoughts on what's happening. Uh, so I think that when that whole situation started, it could have been handled a lot better. Um, what I saw from my end and what a lot of people saw is – uh, like you mentioned yesterday on the show with him, is he just went dark and uh, we didn't see them for what felt like a month. Um, and then they popped up out of nowhere. Um, if um, if they were going through the interior and whatnot, uh, excellent. Uh, but there are ways to uh, stay in communication, even if it's like pre-planned communication with the technologies that we have with Facebook. That's what I do every week. 
uh, I go through my Facebook and I set up uh, pre-planned posts so that everything's consistent. People know that I'm still around, uh, even when I may not be accessible, like when I'm in Cordova, uh, where service is uh, inconsistent. Right. No, uh, I think it could just have been handled uh, smoother instead of uh, dropping off the face of the earth is what it feels like. Yeah. And the fact of the, the ED's resignation, um, any thoughts on, on how that plays out in the court of public opinion? Um, I think it's a, it's a, it's a little bit of uh, shielding mostly um, the way it's going uh, for Charlie and whatnot. Um, uh, I personally want to be, want to be associated with something like that. And uh, Edie, she has, uh, as Lieutenant Governor, as opposed to uh, Charlie's situation with the whole thing, like I think it's a wrong decision. Uh, it's uh, it's not standing by your guns, um, but it's a decision to protect one's self-image um, and uh, continuing governance uh, another way, just in case something serious does happen at the end of this. Right. Well, <clears throat> it's definitely um, definitely a tough situation. I mean, there's just no two ways about it, and we're going to see how it all plays out. Um, how are you liking Kodiak so far? How long have you been down in Kodiak? Oh, I've lived here going on two years now. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, immediately after college, uh, uh, once I get elected, I'm going to be the longest, uh, the youngest legislature or legislator in Juneau. Uh, so that's going to be exciting to get into. Yeah. No, I think that that's uh, I think that that's great. Uh, like I said, I uh, I have a special love for Kodiak. Probably, definitely my top three places uh, in the state. Uh, spent a lot of time there and uh, <clears throat> and really enjoyed uh, really enjoyed being down there. I worked uh, worked at a radio station down there, KWJZ KVOK. Um, uh, when I was in commercial fishing uh, at the time, so definitely a definitely a fun place to be. Um, what's your favorite? Uh, what's the favorite thing you've done so far as a candidate? Um, since this is kind of your first foray, what's the what's been the most surprising and most enjoyable part of what's going on? Uh, so it's been the door knocking. Uh, when I got first got started in door knocking, like on, like honestly, every time I go out door knocking, like there's just a little bit of anxiety that gets you going. It's like you're disturbing somebody who might be having dinner. Or whatever they're doing because um, i also work a full-time job so my only opportunities to door knock are on the weekends and uh, after work um, but once i get started it's like talking with the people it's having those uh, great conversations with them them telling me more about the area uh, it's like in seward i was talking with um, uh, individuals about housing um, about the uh, heating uh, the heating and gas situations that they have down there uh, how it's almost like a monopoly in seward then something that needs to change uh, bring in more options um, as well as uh, over in Cordova and just learning more uh, more particulars about how the ferry system serves in Cordova as well as benefits the Anchorage economy at the end of the day. Uh, it's like uh, we dump a lot of money into the ferry system on the paper. It uh, doesn't look nice, but the economic impact that we bring to Alaska is more than double that amount. Uh, just with the communities going back and forth, allowing money to stay in Alaska from our fishing industries, especially in Cordova, it's um, you can't even really buy a pair of underwear there. Uh, you got to go out to Anchorage. So people load up their cars, take the ferry buy everything in Anchorage, take it back to Cordova, sell it, uh, keep it for themselves. Right. And it's a real economic driver for our coastal communities as well as the rest of the state. Uh, all right. Uh, we're coming up here on the 32nd mark. Ben Vincent is our guest, uh, candidate for District 5. We're going to uh, jump in with him here in just a second. Uh, folks, if you're enjoying the conversation this morning, might I suggest uh, respectfully that you uh, share the show, regardless of where you're at. And then make sure that you like and follow the show on YouTube or Twitch or Facebook or wherever you're at to make sure you get those notifications. Here we go.
right, we're continuing now with Ben Vincent, Vincent, who is a candidate for District 5 down in the uh, Kodiak area, House District 5. It also covers Cordova and a big chunk of the area down there. Um, I forgot. I wanted to ask one final question. We were talking about the PFD before we went to break, and I want to change gears. But before we do that, um, I didn't. I forgot to ask this one question. So, uh, Ben, your position right now on the statutory PFD? Should we be paying a statutory PFD and then sorting all the rest of it out later, um, or should it be a leftover PFD? Or what's your position on paying a PFD to the people? of a state of Alaska, they're, you know, getting their share of their oral wealth as shareholders. Yeah, so we should be paying that statutory amount. Uh, if we need to change the statutory amount, then so be it. Uh, let, uh, communicate with the people, communicate with the legislators that are uh, in charge and get that changed, but skirting around the law with the SB 26 and uh, then also bringing in from the earning reserves, the same account where we're paying for the PFD from a uh, energy relief and just calling it underneath a different name. Uh, that's just, um, it's called, uh, can't remember the phrase for that. But deceptive, kind of deceptive, <laughs> disingenuous. <clears throat> yeah. That's one thing for it. Yeah. But uh, gaslighting, that's what it is. Gaslighting, yeah. No, I mean, definitely gaslighting when they say they draw it all out of the place where it's supposed to come and call it by a different name. That's the very definition mm-hmm. of gaslighting. Um, and uh, if if we did change the statutory formula, should the people in the state of Alaska have a vote on that? If Should there be an advice? If we're going to change something as fundamentally large as the PFD, should the c- citizens of the state have a say, at least in an advisory capacity, before the legislature takes a crack at it? I think the ad, the advisory capacity would be the best option. Uh, it's um, it's like when the permanent fund was created. Um, I believe it was like a year later the permanent fund dividend came into play. Um, now the governor at the time, um, the intent was to have both. Um, but when it was created, it was underneath the legislature. So the legislature um, uh, made that happen. Is my understanding of it right? Um, so having the advisory and then the legislature making a decision from there, especially with the advisement and input from all their constituents, uh, I think would uh, be the wisest option for the state. And you mentioned the POMV, and of course, that's the laws that's directly in conflict with the statutory law. And there's been a lot of talk now that maybe that time has come to repeal that. What's your position on the POMV law, SB 26? Should it be repealed um, uh, so that we don't overdraw the fund uh, and go back to the statutory formula? Yeah, um, so so I think that definitely needs to be looked at and uh, either changing it or repealing it to make it in line with the law um, as opposed to just conflicting with it. Um, when it was created, my understanding was that it was a temporary thing and that we would get back to it. But uh, there's nothing more permanent than a temporary government mandate. Right. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's move on to the big, uh, you know, the big item in the room today. Uh, number two on the budget, the large second largest item is education. We've seen a lot of talk from people. Uh, across the aisle, uh, you know, both uh, Republicans and Democrats, but mostly on the one side of pro-government spend versus the pro-private sector spend. The pro-government spend folks are all talking about how we're not funding education enough. We're not doing it. You know, the BSA hasn't been increased. We're just not taking care of the kids. Uh, of course, they're all acting like the BSA is the only money that goes to the uh, to the education system from the students. That's not the truth. But what are your thoughts on education? considering it's the second largest item in the budget and we're spending more on education now than ever before by hundreds of millions of dollars and some of the highest in the entire country still have low test scores, 48th, 49th, 50th. Is this a money issue? 
Uh, is it something systemic? You're homeschooled. You know, tell me what your thoughts are on this and, and what we can do to fix it. Yeah, so all the input that I've received from uh, superintendents around and individuals that work in the education uh, industry, um, it's it's a combination. Uh, yes, it's financial, um, as um, as well as some policy standpoints that just don't work for Alaska, given um, our high turnover rate for our teachers. We don't have that institutional knowledge uh, because of that. And same thing with the rest of our government. Um, and it really um, hurts the kids at the end of the day because uh, you get teachers cycling in, in and out. Uh, we have a number of individuals from uh, the Philippines who may or may not have um, the certifications um, uh, required, uh, which um, isn't certainly a bad thing, but we just need to make sure that uh, there's the support systems available uh, to be able to teach effectively and bring our test scores up uh, so that we're not sitting at the bottom of the barrel uh, compared to the rest of the nation. So, do, I mean, <clears throat> I guess I'm going back to it. I mean, do you think it's a money issue? I mean, do you think that's what it's all about? Um, because, again, we've seen the educational you know, spend in this state is on this upward trajectory. We've seen the administration has, is, uh, in schools has risen. Meanwhile, the enrollment rates are going down. So we're spending more money now on fewer kids and getting poorer results. Is more money the answer? Or is there something fundamentally flawed in the way we're doing things? Yeah, so I don't think more money. Um, I believe it's flawed the way we're doing things right now. Uh, we need to like take a hard look at it and see where the money is being directed. Uh, it's like the point of the education is for the next generation. And that needs to be the focus. It can't be uh, to give everybody a job and allow everybody to have a nice retirement system. Um, while that is required in order to hold on to teachers um, for that institutional knowledge, like I was mentioning, um, uh, we need to make sure that we're putting the money in the right areas as opposed to just adding more to the budget. You mentioned the retirement, and of course, there's a big push right now to return to a defined benefits program for firefighters and, of course, teachers. Uh, they're arguing that that's the only way we can retain teachers in the state of Alaska is by doing that. Um, but we've seen what's happened with defined benefits programs. They are a perfect way to bankrupt systems. Uh, we've seen pretty much every defined benefits program in the private sector has gone away. A lot of them, especially the bigger ones, GM and Delta, had to be bailed out by the federal government. We've seen many municipalities move away from it. We've seen the state move away from it because we still have a $12 billion unfunded liability from the first tier, uh, first tiers of the defined benefit program. So do you support the idea of a defined benefit or should we continue on with our defined contribution plan and find other ways to attract teachers? Uh, so I think we need to continue on with the current plan that we have right now. Uh, as of right now, the defined benefits just aren't sustainable for a smart fiscal plan. Um, uh, the way they're written and the way they would be funded right now. Um, so I don't believe we're able to do that and support that type of system. Uh, one thing that I've been bouncing around uh, uh, around the district and also with some other candidates running is the idea of using the permanent fund as like a investment portfolio almost for the residents and uh, employees of Alaska, uh, turning it into almost a employee owned type of concept and allowing uh, individuals to invest their 401k monies into the permanent fund uh, relive those dividends back into to the 401ks because it is a very well-performing um, uh, uh, fund oh, yeah, portfolio, uh, yeah. worldwide and allowing us to uh, kind of harness that and use it for the betterment of our community and citizens, I believe would be a smart option. No, uh, no idea how that's going to work exactly right now, uh, but we need uh, thinkers with uh, new ideas and creative ideas um, in order to solve these issues and uh, hold on to that retention for the retirements. 
some of the problems that we're having, uh, you know, in the state, uh, obviously there just hasn't been the political will. I was talking with Delena last hour about, <clears throat> for example, the PFD, it's become the volleyball that just keeps getting battered around the room. And some people like that. Some people like having the crisis because it allows them to retain control through crisis. Um, and I just don't think there's the political will to fix some of these things. There's been some discussion. The governor last year attempted to put the PFD into the Constitution. Uh, the legislature at any time can put amendments up to change the Constitution, but none of that has happened. And so we here we are at the decentennial uh, point of the uh, of the constitutional convention question and there's a lot of things that could be dealt with it could be you know the the uh, the PFD the retention of judges uh, a, a constitutional spending cap there could be a lot of things put in there uh, but there's a lot of contention around the constitutional convention issue where do you stand on the con con are you for or against have you weighed the pros and cons of the dangers versus the risks versus reward etc where do you stand yeah, so as of right now, I'm, I'm leaning towards a yes. Uh, like you mentioned, there's a lot of gridlock in the legislature. Uh, while they have the ability to make amendments to the Constitution as needed, I don't see it as being a realistic option um, with uh, what we've currently been seeing these last couple of years. I, I obviously still need to do uh, more research on it. There's a, a debate that happened, I believe it was in Anchorage uh, a few weeks back uh, that I haven't been able to watch yet. Uh, but I'm going to be watching that before this upcoming election and uh, make my uh, final decision after I have all the pros and cons for the ConCon um, uh, uh, put together and uh, and make a decision from there. But right now I'm, I'm leaning towards a yes just because I haven't seen the legislature be able to make those decisions that we need. Outside of the Constitutional Convention, I mean, would you support the idea of uh... – you know, enshrining the permanent fund formula? Would you support the idea of putting a new constitutional spending limit in, uh, looking at the way that we retain judges, all these things that they're talking about? As a legislator, would you support, you know, putting those forward as constitutional amendments if the CONCON doesn't happen? Uh, all three, yes. Uh, the biggest one especially is for how we retain our judges. Um, I'm a big fan of the idea of elected, not selected. Because uh, right now, it's like there's... Um, they're put in there and then we get a yes or no vote. Uh, very few people actually take the time that I found uh, to go through and meticulously look at the history of the judges, their statements, their ratings, everything like that. Um, and then everybody gets to the ballot. Um, and, and I was doing this for a little bit too, uh, admittedly, when I first started voting. And uh, you don't want somebody to lose their job, so you just vote yes, not really right. understanding what and who you Well, voting. we don't even get a chance to vote on them, right? They're selected, they're empowered, and then we get the chance to decide if they are retained or not. Mm -hmm. um, I've been voting no on every judge retention for the last 20 years just because – I disagree with the system as it sits right now. We don't have enough information. Most average voters don't have enough information to get uh, to get uh, into that system. Um, mm -hmm. Let's uh, let's talk here quickly about uh, the ferry system. I know that that's a very big deal for coastal communities. I know it's a huge deal for Kodiak. Obviously, those of us that don't have to depend on it um, are probably we looked at it with a little bit more of a jaundiced eye because of the mm -hmm. costs involved. Um, but you know, I think that there can be some middle ground on a lot of this stuff. Um, I think that we can look at how we do ferries, you know, maybe smaller ferries. Does it need to visit a port of call twice a week? Maybe it could do it once a week. Maybe it could do it twice a month. I mean, are you willing on those things to look at the flexibility issue and see what would what is best for that community while, you know, making it as efficient as possible for the uh, for the state of Alaska? Most definitely, because when we don't make it efficient and in, uh, in the budget, uh, things get tossed to the wayside, uh, like uh, routine maintenance, 
Uh, just a couple of months ago, I believe it was, the Kennecott had to stop and return to Whittier and it couldn't continue its voyage because a uh, routine maintenance item just busted because uh, we didn't put it in the budget to take care of those types of things. Um, it's also a very old or a decently old ship, um, so that could happen. Um, but as far as like uh, uh, the flexibility and just meeting us somewhere in the middle of it uh, coming every day or not coming at all, and uh, uh, just something reasonable uh, in between those areas um, that supports the communities that need it most. Right. No, I mean, I think it makes sense. I mean, even if a if a ship had to dock once a month versus uh, not at all would still be better once a week or, you know, whatever, depending on the rider load. Nothing worse than a, you know, 185 foot uh, vessel with, uh, you know, 15 passengers on board. So, we, we you know, we've got to find a way to make those to consolidate things and make them more efficient. And uh, I think it's important. Obviously, this is a very important issue for folks down on the coast and who are serviced by those things, as opposed to those of us that live up in the uh, uh, in the northern climes of the state. Um, ben, we're coming down to the end here. So I want to give you a chance uh, here, a couple minutes of uh, your final thoughts, your 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 elevator pitch, so to speak, on to tell people why. Um, you know, why they should vote for you, how do they find out what makes you better than your opponent, et cetera, et cetera. So I'll give you the floor and give you a chance to summate and, uh, and close things out for us. Yeah. So, uh, my name is Ben Vincent. I'm running for state house over here in district five, uh, these last eight years, especially, uh, since 2014, when the, uh, new oil tax credits kind of went into effect, uh, we've seen the state budget, uh, shrink, uh, shrink and shrink. So we've had to cut the PFD because of that. Um, I believe we need to take a strong look at the SB 21 and um, how our oil is taxed and uh, get a proper share for Alaskans that we can pay for these Alaskan services, uh, support the full PFD in a smart and uh, um, sustainable way, as well as um, getting politics out of our ferries because every time we have a new governor, um, they change out who's in charge of the ferries, the board, the commission. Um, and they have that ability as governor, uh, but it turns the ferries into a type of uh, uh, political uh, playing tool uh, in the legislature. And we need to stop that so that we can support the communities instead of just play politics with it, cause a commotion, and then use that to get reelected. Uh, I believe that's wrong. And uh, I'm against those things. I want to see government take care of the people, not use the people for uh, their reelection. Um, setting and- the same people down isn't going to work for us this year. We can't be relying on the status quo while it is nice. Um, but we haven't seen any effort to make those uh, required changes uh, in our systems. Right. Uh, your website, Ben, where do folks find out more about you? And are you doing any meet and greets or anything else? Yeah. So my website is vincent4alaska.com, vincent4alaska. Um, you can find all my contact information there. Um, so I'm going to be in Cordova this weekend, actually. And um, then I'm also planning some uh, two more meet and greets uh, here in Kodiak uh, coming up before the election. Also, just getting around, knocking on people's doors. So if they're not going to come see them, by golly, I'm going to go see them. Right. Okay. Absolutely. Well, Ben Vincent, good luck. Uh, busting the status quo is never easy. Uh, obviously, changing the players out is the number one thing in the Charter of Changes, and uh, you're working on that right now. So that's good to see. And I appreciate that. Ben Vincent, our guest candidate for House District 5. Uh, stick with us, uh, Ben. We'll be with you here just in uh, in a hot second. We're going to be back with more in just a moment. I'm going to go ahead and open up the phone lines for the final segment of the show today. If there's uh, anything that you want to talk about, well, I'd love to hear it. Uh, We'll see what's going on. 
We'll be back with more in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we're in the break with Ben. Uh, ben, as always, I want to give uh, give you one final bite at the apple here uh, in case there was something that I didn't touch on that you is a hot-button issue for you or something you want to dive a little bit uh, deeper into. I'd love to uh, – uh, you know, I'd love to hear what you, what you have to say about it, uh, and so feel free to uh, you know feel free to uh, sound off. And if I have any other questions, I'll ask you when we're done. But I'll give you back uh, give you back the mic here in case there's something that's hot that you want to talk about. Uh, I'd love to hear what you have to say. Yeah. So one thing that I really like to see change in the legislature is coming to a smart fiscal plan. It's like we've been going years without any real direction. It's like we come in assuming oil is going to be $100 a gallon, uh, um, a barrel, uh, change it as needed. And there's um, uh, no real smart plan for uh, uh, that year or the legislative session. And we just kind of uh, fly by the um, uh, the seat of our pants or whatever that phrase is. Um, the, the oil companies, they come in and they budget themselves. It's like uh, oil at like $35 a gallon or, or a barrel. And uh, they adjust as they're able to. Uh, they come in with a very conservative uh, mindset on what their revenues are going to be for that year. And I think that's something that uh, the legislature needs to be paying attention to. It's like coming in with the idea that oil is always going to be high when it's not going to, um, isn't sustainable. And it, and when legislators come in promising a full PFD without a plan, uh, then you're only going to be cutting the PFD from there. Um, that's, that's why I feel it's important for us to take a hard look at SB 21. Um, and change the tax structure. It was promised that uh, we were going to be seeing a lot of revenue and more development in the uh, the oil fields, and we just haven't seen that promise come true. It's been uh, what eight years now, and uh, right uh, that promise hasn't come true. So, so we need to reevaluate what we're doing with um, uh, our revenues. Have and you seen? The- have you seen the workings of the fiscal policy working group from this last uh, last summer, uh, summer before last? I guess I should say. Um, with uh, their fiscal plan that they came up with that talked about, you know, new oil tax structures, uh, you know, full PFD at the 50-50 level with a POMV and, and uh, you know, new taxes, a sales tax and, and other things, kind of this full-on holistic plan that they brought forward? Yeah, yes. Yeah, so I've been uh, researching into that one as well as the um, uh, things like the, uh, the Marine Highway Reform Projects. Um, I haven't uh, gone in far enough to have a full consolidated uh, consolidated opinion on them, uh, but those are things that I've been uh, reading up on, talking with uh, potential constituents about, and uh, just getting more understanding from our district. Right. Uh, I mean, we need to have a solid fiscal plan. As you said, flying by the seat of our pants is not the way to do uh, budgeting and financing and everything else. Uh, number four of the charter on the charter of changes. And I don't know if you're familiar with those, Ben, but we didn't get into that today. But the fourth one is to change the funding, change how we budget. Uh, I've argued that we either need to do zero-based budgeting instead of coming back with a budget every year that's already pre-built, or we should base our budget numbers uh, on the new year 
on the past five years, an average of the past five years of actual revenues, not expenditures, but actual revenues. So we'd have a you know a logical starting point. So we're not picking a number, $105 a barrel oil and build, oh, no, it's only 85. Sorry. Uh, we shouldn't be doing that. I, I think that that would make sense. Don't you? I do. Yeah. 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 Just using a, uh, uh, the previous couple of years, um, if something does change, then it changes. Uh, but we're doing our due diligence in that way. And, uh, uh, going with what's happened in the past and using the past instead of trying to look into the future with a with a spyglass or something like that. Right. Uh, just pretend. My favorite memory is Sean Parnell basing a budget on $115 barrel oil when it had tumbled uh, at the end of the year down to somewhere in the mid-80s, low 80s. And he was building this pie-in-the-sky budget based on the spring forecast of $115 a barrel. Uh, and I just, you know, you just shake your head and go, what? I mean, it makes no sense whatsoever, but that's, that's what we've been doing. We've been betting on the that's if coming. Awesome at least PFD cuts Yeah, because we have no other form of income. Uh, so we're just going to do the easiest one available and the one that we've done before. It's another, how it gets yeah. It's another reason why the PFD should be put out of reach uh, because then <laughs> the legislature would have to face the fiscal, they'd have to face fiscal reality that you can't keep spending more than you take in and expect it's going to be okay, uh, which is what we're facing right now. All right, Ben Vincent, Ben Vincent for Alaska. I've posted links up in the chat room. Uh, excuse me, it's vincentforalaska.com. You can go over there and take a look at that. Ben, thanks for coming on board. Uh, thanks for running, um, and I wish you good luck. I hope that you can uh, unseat the Queen of Mean and uh, get in there and uh, do what you need to do. I appreciate you being part of it today. Yeah, definitely. Well, the way it's going, it's looking like a real possibility. Wow. Um, got, I've got some supporters putting pieces in the newspaper, endorsing me, um, running ads all over Facebook, sharing my policy, sharing my view, sharing what I've done, and uh, really just being able to make it to this entire district on a total grassroots campaign uh, has been a real achievement because um, uh, like this plane ticket to Cordova, $800 round trip from, from Kodiak. Yeah, no. Well, it's good. It's good to have the support and it's good to see you, my friend. Thank you for coming on board and joining us. We wish you luck. Ben Vincent for House District 5. Thank you for being part of it today. All right. We're going to load the phone systems real quick. I just realized that I forgot to do that. So we're going to load the phone systems up and get everything else put together. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free thinking radio, like it, share, like it, share, like it, follow. Here we go. Well, howdy, howdy, howdy. Welcome back to the program. Thanks for coming on board and joining us. It is the Michael Duke Show. One final segment for today's show. And uh, I guess we're, I'm, I'm going to open up the phone lines. Uh, I think that there's been enough today that's been happening over the last couple of days that I would love to hear what you guys have to say. So we're going to... Uh, we're going to open up the phone lines and see what you guys have to say. Again, special thanks to Satellite West for sponsoring this hour of the program. You could find them here at SatelliteWest.com. So no matter what kind of communications you need, whether it's text or email, internet, uh, phone calls, whatever, they can find it for you at SatelliteWest.com. Our phone number is 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. Five zero, and we'd love for you to uh, be. Sorry, we'd love for you to be part of it here with us today. We're going to uh, jump into this and get the phone lines 
started. And uh, once we get the, I forgot to start the phone lines during the commercial break. That was my fault. Uh, we're going to talk about this, and we're going to get. Uh, uh, we're going to get we're it all done. You Looks like that. There it is. The phone lines are up and running. We are ready to go. Let me. Uh, Log into the controller here so I can see if anybody calls in. And we can talk about whatever you want to talk about. If you want to talk about the Charlie Pierce and Edie Grunewald thing, we can talk about that. You want to talk about any of the things that are happening um, around the state uh, or things that are happening in the uh, um, in the uh, the legislature or in the races themselves, we'd love to hear it. So let's, uh, let's go over to the phones first things first, and we will see what you guys have to say. We'll get things started uh, with our calls for this final segment of the show. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Michael. This is Carlene and Kodiak. Good morning, Carlene. What's, uh, what's on your mind there? Well, I would like to see how Ben Vincent, before we send him to Juno. You'd like to see what from Ben Vincent? You you broke up there. You'd like to see what from Ben Vincent before we send him to Juno? How he votes. Um, votes in a regular election or votes in, uh, I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't know exactly what you mean. You can't see how somebody votes in a in a legislature before they go into the legislature. So you're saying how he voted in past elections, or uh, what's what are you asking there? What I mean is, um, if he city council, I could see how, but no experience. Okay, so you're saying if he had been on a city council or on some kind of lower office, that what it is. So you're saying you don't want to vote for Ben because he hasn't he hasn't been elected to some other office, so you can see where his position is. Is that is that am I reading that right, Carlene? School board or or road board or anything, but um, also when he goes, if he goes, you know. Would his job influence his decision? He he worked for the um. I'm sorry. The he works in property management, so mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if his job would influence him or not. I mean, I don't know if it would influence him any more than other people's jobs influence them. Uh, people who work in the oil industry that have been in the legislature, commercial fishermen who have been in the legislature, um, I don't know if it would influence it any more one way or the other. Um, so are you saying that nobody should be running or should get a vote going into the legislature if they haven't? I don't know, paid their dues or 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 showed their track record in a lower office before that? Is that what you're saying? Correct. And he's a property management for health and social services. For is is it for health and social services? Is that is that what you said? You broke up. Yes. Okay. 
Well, I mean, it's a it's a valid question. I didn't know that's who he worked for, uh, did the property management for. But, uh, I mean, it's a valid question, and maybe you can uh, send him an email or he can uh, respond back to you here on the show, and, and we can figure that out. But, um, okay, Carlene. Well, um, so are you, are you saying you're going to vote for Louise versus Ben because you don't know what his track record is, but you know what Louise's is, and are you happy with that? You know, um, but vote for Louise. I cannot vote for Ben. And and I feel the same way about Gary Stevens. I I can't vote for Gary and um, Heath. The other gentleman just become a Republican. Um, Heath Smith. Heath Smith. Didn't Walter Jones say that his opponent was a Democrat and voted Democrat? And um, I I can't vote for either one, Michael. Well, I mean, I think voting for someone is better than voting for no one, Carlene. That's my take on it. And you already know what you're going to get with the incumbents in those races. And so, you know, my question is, could it be Could it be any worse? I, I don't know as it could be, quite honestly. Based on what they have, I would encourage you to vote for somebody in those races um, and at least uh, have a say when it's all said and done. You know what you're going to get with the incumbents. Um, at least the uh, at least the challengers are saying all the right things. Um, maybe it's better. Maybe it's worse. I don't know. But I think voting for more of the same is the definition of insanity, uh, quite honestly. Carlene, thank you for your call. Let's go over here and uh, take another one. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, Michael. This is Bubba up in North Pole. Hello, Bubba. I I was I was doing good until I got confused yesterday. You know, I I. I I didn't make it to the show at the Carlson Center. and I found out Randy has some kind of plan for two permanent funds. He don't like the one permanent fund, so now what's he want to be able to complain about two permanent funds? <laughs> I'm confused. Well, Randy has explained his permanent fund idea here on the program before, and he does every day in the chat room as well. So, yes, there's two things and, uh, and two different choices. And, I mean, look, we, if we can't get one permanent fund put together, how in the world are we going to try and protect two different ones? I don't know. It seems very convoluted and com- it seems very convoluted and complex. I guess my answer would be, why don't we just follow the law that we have? There you go. I mean, if it's a, a statute, a law, you know, that somebody made the rules, and until you change the rules, live by the rules. Um, We need to change the ranked choice voting rule, though. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. All right, Bubba. Well, hey, I appreciate you calling in. Thanks uh, thanks for calling in and being part of the show today. That leaves all the lines open if you would like to sound off at 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150. Uh, ben just private messaged me uh, because he's still listening to the program this morning, and he says the property that he managed is a private low-income development. It, it's private. It's not state-funded. So he does not – it's not a health and social services deal. It's a private-funded situation. But again, I – I am going to agree with what um, um, somebody said here in the uh, chat room. Daniel said this kind of thinking, what Carlene was talking about, not voting for somebody because you don't know their voting record, uh, which I, 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 you know, that kind of thinking is the reason the country is circling the drain. Not introducing new ideas because they haven't held lower office is not smart. The people in offices voted uh, like fools for years. So what difference does it make at this point? I mean, again, as I was, it's kind of 
a more eloquent way of saying what I said, which is, you know, could it be any worse? You already know what you're going to get with the incumbents. Shouldn't we be voting for some kind of change at that point? Shouldn't we at least test something else out? I mean, when you're faced with driving off the cliff, you know, left or right, it don't matter. At one point, either way, we'll steer you away from the cliff. Let's do that. Um, all right, let's go over to the phones again and see what you have to say. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Um, Kathy from the Peninsula. Hello, Kathy. I just wanted to say that Sarah, Sarah Palin will be in Soldotna 4.30 at um, Ginger's, and then she's going to go at 7 o'clock. She's going to go to the hockey game at the Sports Center, the Brown Bear Hockey Game. Mm-hmm. And I also just want to say um, I thought military people fight for their people and they don't leave anybody behind. And I just feel like Edie Grunwall left Charlie behind. And I just feel, I thought that military people weren't supposed to let anybody behind if they're wounded. Well, I think that's a shame. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, again, I, uh, I, I hear your, I hear your frustration and I've seen a lot of comments, uh, like that since last night. Um, all I know is that, uh, it's a, it's a hot hot mess. Um, I wish I wish it hadn't gone the way that it did. And again, going back to her comments of uh, going back to her comments of saying that her withdrawal was in no way a reflection of guilt or innocence, but people were going to take it that way. Of course, they're going to take it that way. I mean, that's yeah. Anyway, uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But I appreciate your call. Thank you so much. We're out of time tomorrow. Forrest Wolf, Liz Vasquez, The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. All right. Um, you know, I, I I don't know. This this whole thing with uh, Edie and Charlie is just, it's heart-wrenching. Just absolutely heartbreaking. The only thing that's going to make it better is my wife's pumpkin bread. It's the only thing that's making it better this morning. I don't normally eat on the show, but this morning I had, it was the last, it's the heel. It's the last piece. It's the only thing I could get. It was just, it's horrific. All right, folks. Well, we got to go. We got to uh, get out of here. Tomorrow's another day. I, I hope, I hope, I hope everything is good for you today. I just, I just wish you well. I wish you the best. Be kind, love one another, live well. That's what we say around here, and we mean it every day. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll see you tomorrow, folks.
shed our terrestrial radio skin. And now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. <laughs> 